So the title is Regeneration and Its Fruits or, more fun, Born and Born Again. Where do we get this idea of being born again, of the rebirth, of a second birth? We get it first in the Bible from the Lord Jesus. So let's go straight to the source, straight to him. We're looking at John chapter 3 and verse 3. Jesus is having a conversation with a man named Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. He was one of the ruling body of of the top government and spiritual leadership. And in fact, Jesus says to him a little bit later, we're not going to actually read this verse, but Nicodemus gets confused and Jesus says to him, Nicodemus, are you the teacher in Israel and you don't know these things? So the definite article was there. Are you the teacher? Like this guy is the head honcho. This is the top teacher in all of Israel in those days. And here's what Jesus wants him to know. John 3, 3, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you. And anytime Jesus says, truly, truly, that means listen, listen, because he's really telling you something he wants you to know. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot, he will not see the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God means different things in different passages, but here it's shorthand. This is close enough. It's all you need to know. You won't go to heaven. Anybody want to go to heaven? Jesus is telling you, unless you're born and then born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. That is, you cannot go to heaven. These babies just born, they need to be born again because what do we want most for them? To love Jesus and follow him all their days and one day when they die, die in the arms of Jesus Christ and go to heaven. We want them to be not just born, but also born again. Well, Nicodemus didn't understand it. This was new theology to him. So in John 3, verses 4 and 5, here's what happens. Nicodemus said to him, how? Like, what are you talking about? Born again? How? Can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and then be born? How? He doesn't understand. He's the teacher in Israel. He's deeply trained in the Old Testament, the word of God, but he's never noticed the part. There's scales over his eyes. He's never seen the part where God tells Old Testament people that they need to be born again. So Nicodemus is befuddled. How can this be? Jesus replies, John 3, 7, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean unless you're born of water and born of the spirit? A lot of people just assume the water part must refer to the amniotic fluids. You know, your fluids break and this water comes out and so on. That's not what he's referring to at all. That is not what Jesus is talking about. The water being born of water and the spirit 
being born of the Spirit, are both in a very critical and important Old Testament passage that Nicodemus should have known but did not know, did not understand. I'm going to turn us to that passage shortly, but I'll just give you a heads up on it right now. There's a place in Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 36 in the Old Testament, where where Ezekiel, where God through Ezekiel talks about being born again, born of the water, and there the water is the water that washes you when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's like the blood of Christ, but it's water here. It washes you from all your sins. And the spirit is when God gives you a new spirit and puts his spirit within you. So in other words, the water is what washes you. That's the biblical doctrine of justification. You're made right in God's sight through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And the spirit that goes inside you and he gives you a new spirit, that's the change that happens in you. That's regeneration. And those two always travel together in God's word. Those who are truly washed are also regenerated. They are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new, 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 new. So this is what Jesus said. Again, in John 3, 7, Jesus says to him, do not marvel because Nicodemus must be standing there with his jaw on the ground. He's like marveling, like, what? I never saw that, Ezekiel. Where'd you get that? Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So don't be surprised. Some of you here today, maybe you've heard about that born again thing, and oh my goodness, now I'm in a church, and they're talking about that born again thing. What is this? Don't marvel. It comes from Jesus Christ. He wants you to know about it, and today you're going to hear more about it. Jesus isn't the only one in the Bible to talk about being born again. He appointed some, he handpicked and appointed some men, some apostles to be the guys to establish his church and teach his doctrines and write them in scripture for us. And Peter was one of those. And so in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, he barely gets his book started. And here's what he says to us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. How does anybody get born again? God causes them to get born again. God is the cause, we're the result. God's the first mover, we're the second mover. And God caused us, he says, to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So Peter chimes in and says, oh yeah, I know about that born again thing. It's God the Father who causes us to be born again. So here's a statement. I just put this together. You can find lots of similar ones. What is regeneration? What is this new birth? Here's a good definition. Regeneration is the supernatural work of God in which he grants, he gives freely because Christ purchased it, in which he grants new spiritual life to dead sinners. So there you were, Ephesians chapter 2, all dead dead, dead in your trespasses and sins, dead in Adam. God said to him, you eat the fruit, you surely die. They ate the fruit, the race died. We all died in and with Adam. We sinned with Adam and died in Adam. And there you were all dead, all sin darkened, no heart for God, no love for the things of the Lord Jesus. And then God regenerates you. You hear his word, you believe, you turn to him. That's repentance. Regeneration is a supernatural work of God in which he grants new spiritual life to former 
formerly dead sinners. I just want to ask all of you at this point in the service, have you ever been regenerated? I did not ask you, are you a religious person? I didn't ask you, are you compared to other people, good and moral and upstanding and U.S. grade ADA and all that? No, what I ask you is, have you been regenerated so that the old you died and a new you has come to be? That's what Jesus is talking about here. So let me show you where he gets that from. Let me show you where that comes from. And we're going to go back to Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 36. Here's the passage Nicodemus, the teacher of the Jews, should have known. God says to his people through Ezekiel, here's what will happen when you repent. Here's what will happen when you turn to God. Here's what will happen when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I will sprinkle clean water on you. That's the water. That's being born of the water in John chapter 3. This is what Nicodemus should have known of. God sprinkles clean water on you and it washes you. It washes you of all your transgressions. It washes you of all your sins. It washes you in the sight of God. And you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. All, I love the word all, it's repeated, all, all. What does that mean? No matter what your transgressions, no matter how many times you've broken God's law, no matter how bad and how far down you've gone, God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and I'll clean you from all. I'll clean you from all of those and I'll even cleanse you from your idols, meaning you'll no longer follow them, you'll follow me. You spent your whole life following idols and sometimes you were your own first love and your own idol. But you'll turn from those idols and I'll be God to you and you'll be my child and you'll love me and follow me. This is what I'll do when you turn and believe on the Lord Jesus. And he goes on and says, and I will give you a new heart. Now you know what your heart is. Your heart is not that physical thing in there that's pumping blood through your veins. Your heart is, is the center of your emotions and loves and affections. As humans, we lead with our hearts. As a man thinketh in his heart, the scripture says, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Guard your hearts with all diligence, for out of them come all the things of life. We lead with our hearts. Our brains follow our heart. Some people talk about the primacy of the intellect. Did you know the brain comes first? No, it doesn't. Our hearts go first, and when our hearts latch onto something, our brains find ways of justifying it and explaining it and making it okay. It's our hearts that love things, and our brains try to catch up with those loves. And God says, you know that, that thing inside you that, you that loves things, that thing that leads you? I'm going to give you a new one. I wonder, do you have that new heart? Have you turned to the Lord Jesus and has God ever given you this new heart? He says, and a new, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. Meaning, I'm going to change you very deeply on the inside of your being. And out of that changed inside, new passions will, will be evident. New desires, new activities will go on. He goes on, verses th uh, 27 and 28. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. So before the day when God removes the heart of stone, you have a heart of stone. What does that mean? God's word bounces off. It's like BBs off an M1 tank. Bing. 
you have a heart of stone. God's commandments don't penetrate. God's word doesn't go in. There's other people around you. They seem to be loving God's word and receiving it and, and, and delighting in it. And there you are, bing, what's all this? What's all this about the word of God? God says, I, here's what I'll do. I'll do some surgery on you and I'll remove that heart of stone from your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh. What's a heart of flesh? It's a soft heart. It's penetrable. The things of God go in. The word of God goes in. The gospel goes in. It makes you responsive to the things of God. And there's more. And I will put my spirit within you. So that's capital F spirit. The Holy Spirit will come and take up residency in you. God, the third person, will dwell in you. You can't have God the third person dwell in you without it changing you. You can't have all this without it changing you. I'll put my spirit within you. And again, second time he uses the word cause. And I will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. God says you'll do that because I'll cause it. Now we have to understand, and the rest of the Bible sheds light on that, this side of glory, this side of heaven, this side of dying and being in the presence of Christ, God causes us to do that, but we do it very imperfectly. Amen? We do it very falteringly. Amen? We do it very repentingly, amen? So what that means is there's gonna be a lot of times when a believer has to repent because you fouled up again. You broke God's commandments again. You, 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 you grieved the Holy Spirit again. You wounded your own conscience again. You broke the law of God again. And now with a new heart, you hate that. And you're like, oh, I can't believe I did that again. Please, Lord, is your prayer. Please don't let me fall into that again. And it used to be you'd fall into that and be delighted. Look, I got to do that again. And there I was again, and here it came again. But now you're not delighted because now you're like, oh, no, that's not what I want. So he's causing you to walk in his commandments. It's faltering. It's, it's, it's weak in this life. It's repentant, but it's there. It's substantial. Like, I guarantee you, the, the day I was saved, the next day, I didn't want stuff anymore. I had a different heart. There was a new Steve going on. This is probably why some of the early disciples of Jesus changed their names. Like, I was Saul. I ain't that guy anymore. You're looking at Paul. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Maybe not a bad name to change their names. I can barely remember my name as it is, so I'm getting old. I'm older than him, and he was talking about getting old. God says, I'll put my spirit in you, and I'll cause you to walk in my statutes, and I'll cause you to be careful to obey my rules. So in the Old Testament, God through Ezekiel taught the nation about regeneration. There were scales over their eyes. Most of them didn't get it. Some of them did. And then in the days of the new covenant, that's since Jesus came, and now we're in a new covenant and in the days of the new covenant, this is our message. This is our message. But now, I'm going to ask the question, let me put it up. How does regeneration happen? Like, we want these babies, they've been born, we want them to be born again. Well, what, how's that happen? What has to happen? Some of you, you've all been born, I trust. Has everybody here been, anybody not been, you're born, you need to be born again. Some of you have it. How does it happen? 
Nicodemus asked that question. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he go back into his mother's womb and be born? No. Here's how regeneration happens. We're going to go to the words of Jesus over in the Gospel of Mark. And Jesus is beginning his public ministry and telling the people how to come to God, how to be made right with God. And he tells them two things that they ought to do. Here they are. Now, after John, John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe. And again and again, we hear his apostles later saying, repent and believe, repent and believe. And sometimes they just say repent. And other times they just say believe. But wherever you repent, you will also believe. And wherever you believe, you will also repent. And so these are the two hinges on which the door, the narrow gate swings, through which you want to go in order to have eternal life and go to heaven. This is how you become a new creature in Christ. This is how you're born again. You repent. What does repent mean? Repent is simply a Greek word, metanoia. It means to turn, to turn. Turn 180 degrees. So you were going this way. This is my life and these are my things and these are my loves and this is my joy and this is what I want to do and these are my gods and my idols and I serve them. Oh, God causes you. He gives you a new heart. He gives you the gift of faith. He gives you repentance. And you turn 180 degrees and say, I want you to be God to me. And I want to be your child. And I want to follow you. And you'll be the supreme object of my adoring affections. That's a different person. That's what he does in the heart of a believer. Jesus says you need to repent. You need that. I ask, have you ever had that? Have you ever experienced true repentance where you turned and your heart became God's and he became God to you and you his adoring child? So you repent and you believe in the gospel. Now believe doesn't just mean you intellectually assent to some truths. Yeah, 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 I believe that. My mama and my daddy taught me that, so I believe it. No, no, no. Uh, Believe means more than that. James says the demons believe and at least they have more response than some people. They tremble. But the demons aren't saved by believing. What's believing mean? It means you receive the truth. You appropriate the truth. You say, oh, yes, God, I want that. So you repent, you turn to him, and you savingly believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and at that point, you are born again. What happens then? This is fruits, repentance and its fruits. We're now into the fruits. What happens then? So Some of you are maybe just looking into Christianity, maybe some of you with us online, and you're thinking, if I became a believer, what's that look like? If I became a believer, do I need to change anything? Do I need to do anything different? Here's what I'm going to tell you about. If you become a believer, these things will happen in you. It's not so much you need to do any of these things. These are the things God will do in you. These are ways he will change you. So what happens when you're born again? First and most important, uncontested, this is absolutely the biggest, 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 biggest way you'll change is you will love God. You know, before the day of my salvation, I never once for one second in all my first 17 years loved God. Never paid him any attention, never thought about him, and certainly didn't love him. Lots and lots of people go to church and come out, and if you interviewed him outside and said, but do you love God, they'd stammer. 
But anybody who's born of the Spirit of God, anybody who has this new heart, anybody who has God's Spirit inside them, the, the first thing that will change about them, the most important thing that will change about them is that they will love God. Just like babies love their mama. I didn't know about this, but I wondered this week, so I looked it up, and sure enough, during their time in the womb, babies love their mother. They hear their mother's voice, and they know it. They feel their mother's movements. They even smell their mother's. I don't know what that smells like in the womb, but anyway. And they're very attached to their mother, and right from birth and in the first several months, they bond very, very deeply with their mother. Babies love mommy. And in the same way, spiritual babies love their heavenly father. And they're suddenly very, very deeply attached to God. God, you are first in my life. Everything else is way down somewhere. Spiritual babies love their father. Let me say it this way. You cannot be regenerated. You cannot have the new life. You cannot have the second birth and not dramatically love God. Because he gives you this. He puts this in you. It's not so much you have to. You do have to. There's a commandment. You shall love. But you do. Falteringly. Sometimes you get attracted by an idol and then you repent because you love God. Jesus, or rather John, his disciple, talks about this. Shows us that this is one of the key markers of a regenerated heart. Notice what John says, 1 John 5, 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. Now, here's what I want you to notice. We have two parallel phrases, first part, first part, second part, second part, parallel, parallel. Let's look at the first parts. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ goes parallel with, and everyone who loves the Father. So everyone who loves Jesus Christ loves God the Father. That's what John is telling us. Paul chimes in in 1 Corinthians 8, 3, and he puts it this way. But if anyone loves God, he, that person, not those other persons, but he's one who is known by God. Now, known here means known as in salvation known. It's like the opposite of what Jesus will say to some at the last day, depart from me, I never knew you. No, these are the ones he knows. If anyone loves God, he's known by God. Everyone who's known by God, everyone who's come to Jesus Christ with saving faith and repentance, they love God. The Bible teaches us that. This is central to Christian living. So we, we, we love our Heavenly Father so much that Jesus tells about this love, the level of this love, in a very exaggerated way in Luke chapter 14. Here's what we read. Now, great crowds accompanied him everywhere he went. And he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me, this is an exaggeration for effect. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, Lord Jesus, do you really mean I'm supposed to hate my wife and my mother and my father? And the answer from all the rest of scripture is no, he does not really mean that. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for Children, honor and obey your father and your mother. It's the first commandment with a promise. No, we're not supposed to hate anybody. We're supposed to love those people. So what is Jesus saying here? He is saying that 
if you're my disciple, your love for God is so great, so powerful, so all-encompassing in your soul that it's as if you've got no love left for anybody else. The, the comparison is so huge, it's like it's as if you almost don't really love her or those parents or those other people named there because your love for God is so supreme. All other loves in your life are dramatically eclipsed by your love for your heavenly father. You love him. So I'm asking you today, have you been born again? Do you love God supremely? Is he absolute, absolute, uncontested, first in your soul and first in your life? That's a good sign. But here's something else that that changes in you. Not only do you love God, but you love what God loves. You love what God loves. So now you get a whole new set of loves and whatever it is he loves, all of a sudden you find, hey, I love. What kind of things do I mean? Let me give you some examples. What are some of the things that we love from a new heart? Well, for example, you love God's truth. You love God's word. You love scripture. You love hearing God's word. This doesn't necessarily mean that you're a Bible, 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 reader, 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 reader all the time. A lot of people aren't good readers. A lot of people don't enjoy reading. A lot of people don't profit much from reading. And we know that in their day, almost everybody was illiterate. And of the few who could read, most of them didn't have a Bible. Not until Gutenberg came along in the, I think, 1400s and gave us a printing press. So there were other ways they were to express their love for the Bible. And there are other ways you can express your love for the Bible, though you're blessed. You can read. And you have Bibles on yourselves. And you ought to dig into that word. It will bless you and do good for you. But how did they get the Bible? How did they express they loved God's truth? Well, they went to church and they heard it and they drank it into their souls and loved it, prayed it in and said, yes, Lord, that's what I want. They went home and talked about it and they remembered it. And Deuteronomy chapter six style, they talked about it with their kids when they're sitting in the house and they're lying down and they're rising up and they're walking in the way. And it was evident that they are now people of the truth. You love God's truth, unlike Some of the people who heard Paul in Thessalonica and did not receive his message, did not receive the gospel. And here's what Paul writes about them, 2 Thessalonians 2.10. He says, they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. You see, when you are justified, you're washed with that clean water. And when you are regenerated, you're born again of the spirit of God Something happens for you, justification, and something happens in you, regeneration. And you receive a love of the truth. Have you received that love of the truth? And you also love God's commands. You love God's commands. Let me show you Jeremiah, which is parallel to Ezekiel 36. Nicodemus should have known, he should have gone to both of those in his thoughts. And in Jeremiah 31, another new covenant passage, here's what God says. I will put, he's speaking of believers. He's speaking of those who come to Christ, of those who say, I believe on the Lord Jesus, I'm saved. God says, I will put my law within them. Where was the law prior to that? It was written on 10 tablets of stone, Where is he going to put his law now? I will put my law within them. It's from the inside out that they want to obey my commandments. And I will write it on their hearts. 
Every blood-bought, regenerated child of Jesus Christ has the, the law of God written on their hearts. And so they say with the psalmist, oh, how I love your law is my meditation. And that's why it grieves me when I break your law. You love God's commands. John says a lot about this. We'll just look at two verses. First John 5, verses 2 and 3. And he says, by this we know that we're regenerated, my parentheses. Here's how we know. How can I tell? What fruits can I look for that ought to be evident in your life if you really are a regenerated child of God? By this we know when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And don't you love this last part? And his commandments are not burdensome. You're not like, oh, man. Is that God's command? Like, really, do I have to do that? No, you're like, okay, you know, I'm here for duty. God's command. It's what I want, Lord. His commandments are not burdensome. So, so you love God's commands and you grieve when you break them. Let me give you one more thing you love. You love Jesus' church. No, I have two more things, pardon me. You love Jesus' church. You can't have a new heart and not love Jesus' church. There might be things about your particular church that bug you, but you still love Jesus' church. Listen to Ephesians 5.25. Christ loved the church, and you love what he loves now. And he gave himself up for her, so you do some giving up of yourself for the church of Jesus Christ. And the psalmist says in Psalm 26, 8, Oh, Lord, I love the habitation of your house. What's he say? I just love going to church. Gathering with God's people, singing the sacred songs, reading from the book, offering up holy prayers. I just love this. That comes out of a regenerated heart. And the psalmist says, oh, Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. I just, I just love that. And you get that. Like, even when the sermon's boring, which please just all tell me, just, just say, oh, it's never boring at Cornerstone, right? But even when the sermon's boring, even when that lady behind you with a loud voice sings way off key the entire time, you go home and you say, man, I love that. Gathering with God's people. Some of you love it, but you're missing it because you're scared of COVID. All right, I get that. When you get over scared of COVID, come on back. Push yourself a little bit, would you? Because you're missing a lot. It's so good to gather with God's people. There's a great hymn that came from a guy named Timothy Dwight, a grandson of Jonathan Edwards the Great, and it goes like this. Let me just read two stanzas of it for you, and you can follow. He, he wrote, I love thy kingdom, Lord the place of thine abode, the church, our blessed Redeemer saved with his own precious blood. I love thy church, O God, her walls before thee stand, dear as the apple of thine eye engraven on thy hand. You love the church of God. You love the next, you love the people of God. John really talks about this one a lot. In 1 John 3, for example, verse 14, we read, we know that we have passed out of death into life. How do you recognize if you're really redeemed? How do you recognize a true believer? Here's how we know. They can profess and profess and profess, but there are some telltale signs. What are they? We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. 
with all their warts and all their wrinkles, all their dysfunctions, all their foibles, all their sins, yet we go home after a hard time with one of them and say, but I love them. We know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love, implied the brothers, abides in death. Do you love the brothers? Do you love the people of God? You love the people God loves. Look at 1 John 4 and verse 7 and 8. Beloved, he says, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love one another, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Like if you say, I have God, I got God. I just don't love these people. No, 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 you don't love God. If if you get God, you get love. You get love for those people. That's what he's saying. Again, in 1 John 5, 1, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. Man, I love the people of God. I love believers. I'm to love all people and do good for them all, especially for the household of God. This is part of what's so great about Sundays, isn't it? You get to be with the people of God. You get to be with believers. You get to have fellowship, koinonia, and we love that. Here are some applications, and then I'm going to have a closing prayer for mothers in particular. Number one, some of you, probably some of you, have never been born again. We invite you. Better, Jesus invites you. He says in his word, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says his his yoke is easy and his burden is light, and you will find rest for your soul. And I'm asking you, will you right now, will you this day, turn 180 degrees to God that he may be your God and believe, Lord Jesus, I believe upon you, your death, your burial, your resurrection. I receive you. May it be for me. Some of you have never been born again. Oh, we pray that you will be today. And then, secondly, some of you believe you're born again. But I want to ask you, is there fruit? Is your profession reality? Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do you love the brothers? Do you love the things God loves? Do you love the commandments and hate it when you break them? Do you have new loves? Are you being led from a renewed heart? Some of you believe you're born again, but is there fruit? Maybe you've become Christian nominally. You need to become Christian in heart. We're praying that you do. And finally, this might hurt for some, it's Mother's Day, I know that, but some of our children profess faith. But is there fruit? Lots of kids can profess faith. Do they love God? Do they love what God loves? Do they love the people of God? Do they, at whatever their level is, it's it's age-graded, do they love the things of God and the word of God and the kingdom of God at their kiddie level or at their bigger kid level? Sometimes parents, sometimes parents say, well, my girl, my boy, I remember when they were saved. I remember when they prayed that prayer. I remember when they received Christ. And they're walking far from the Lord now. 
it's not, maybe not just that they're walking far from the Lord. It's just that they prayed something, but are they regenerate? And I have a question for you, and it's a hard question, but do you want to keep telling yourself it's okay with them when it's not? because you need to believe it's okay with them? Or are you willing to face the fact that, you know what, they don't seem to have any heart for Christ at all. I better work on them. Hmm. Some of our children profess faith, but is there fruit? We want to lead our kids to Christ. What do we want for those babies? They were born. We want them to be reborn. Here's a woman's prayers for her child's salvation. You can read this aloud with me. Remain seated, relax, read it aloud with me. And you can do that because it's not my words, it's not human words, it's scripture words with your child written in. You'll see what I mean. Read aloud in a nice big outdoor voice, if you will. God, this is a prayer. God, um, give my children eternal life so that no one can snatch him out of your hand, John 10, 28. Next, let my child hear your voice and recognize it as the voice of his shepherd, John 10, 27. Remove my child's heart of stone and give her a heart of flesh. Put a new spirit within her, Ezekiel 36, 26. Make my child's heart good soil that will take in the seed and produce grain a hundredfold, Matthew 13, 8. Cause my child to acknowledge you before men so you will acknowledge him before the Father, Matthew 10, 32. Make my child a good and faithful servant who will hear the words, enter into the joy of your master, Matthew 25, 23. Draw my child to yourself and raise her up on the last day, John 6, 44. Call my child to yourself, justify him, sanctify him, and glorify him, Romans 8.30. Give my child the gift of faith, which she could never earn on her own, Ephesians 2.8. Finally, write my child's name in the Lamb's book of life, Revelation 21.27. Oh God, may it be. If you'd like a copy of those, write me, write the church if you don't know how to get a hold of me. Church will get you in touch with me. I'll send you a copy of those. I'd love to. Born again. Pray with me, please. Father in heaven, thank you for bringing each person into this assembly today and those who are with us online. We know there are no accidents in your providence and your plan. It's by your will that they are here with us today. And Father, we pray now that you would draw people to yourself through the Lord Jesus Christ. Send your Holy Spirit to bring conviction of sin and righteousness and judgment. And may people right now turn and call, Lord Jesus, I believe. Oh, save me. Save me. Give me that new heart. Give me faith. Give me repentance. Make me a, a blood-bought, clean water-washed child of God. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, if you're in the room, there's a connect card in the chair in front of you. If you're with us online, there's a connect card in the video description underneath this video. Please, if we can help you, we're here to help you. If we can help you find that life in Jesus Christ, if we can help you growing in it and walking in it, please reach out to us. Use the card in the room. You can drop them off at the desk out there, the card online. It'll get forwarded to us. Thanks for spending this time with us. Pastor Stan's going to lead us in communion.
Thank you.